Welcome, everybody, to episode three of the Captain's Challenge. I'm here over in England again. This is Kimbo over in WA, my co-host, Sully. How's things over there, mate? Hello, Kimbo. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I hope you're going along nicely. I can't wait till we get to episode 97, Kim, and you say it at the front. That'll be quite amazing, won't it? <laughs> well, I hope you get that part. Yeah. We oh, could still well, be in lockdown know, by then, mate. Who knows? Well, I was just going to ask you that question today, off, straight off the top of the show. Yep. Obviously, we're talking about NRL starting here in May 28, and I look at, at it from a news, uh, WA perspective, yep. where we've only had one or none today in yeah. WA. Yep. Um, how long till the NRL WA competition starts? I think I spoke to you about that before, and obviously no New South Wales and no Queensland Cup mm. already decided that yep. that won't happen. We could have a wonderful opportunity. We'll play a lot of footy in Western Australia. So, yeah, um, mm. I, I see that the NRL. Well, we're just reading today, um, whether it's just media reporting it or not. But yeah, some regional areas are being thrown up as possibility to to get games, um, NRL games played out there. So, but uh, briefly over here in the Super League, there's been no mention yet of a start date, and we're we're miles behind Australia in terms of. Um, you know, the success of the lockdown, we're, we're still having, you know, 600, 700 deaths a day throughout the oh. UK where, you know, you, you guys are 70-odd in total. So um, we're, we're a little bit behind and, yeah, the you know, the, there's no uh, locked-in date whatsoever over here for a restart. So um, things are starting to look positive for you guys. So, mate, but a few things happening during the week over there, big news with yeah. uh, Todd Greenberg um, departing. Yeah, mate. Yeah, big news like yesterday, and I thought it was always going to happen, and it was a, it was death by a thousand cuts, <laughs> as I personally thought, because um, I think what happened the longer it went on, and I saw an interview last week. Well, not an interview. We saw uh, Mr. Valandis, Peter Valandis, of course, yep. who's a very successful businessman. He's done well with New South Wales racing, and he's done this, but he's he's the boss, Kim. Yep. That's the bottom line. Yep. And I saw him, the, the Channel 9 fiasco, yep. he was the only one doing, he was the only one there uh, fronting the press, not yep. Todd Greenberg as well. And I thought, oh, well, mm, time might be sign. right now. He, mm, yep. it, might be, it might be a bad sign that he, he's gone. But, I, mate, I, I had a look at a couple of things today and I, I looked at some people that I respect. And there's one thing about Todd Greenberg, which I, I thought he did very, very well, but he, he brought the fans to the game, I thought. He's four years and he, he came from the Bulldogs, as we all know. Yep. But at the end of the day, no one ever leaves without being critic. But I'm, I must say one thing, that his legacy of his administration and leadership, well, he tried to put the fans back in touch with the game. So, mate, that, that's one big thing I noticed. Apparently, the interesting thing I have heard today is he, he got bagged for bringing the nines to Perth. Yep. At the start of the year. They said, yep. well, why would you bother taking it there? Um, mate, oh, I'll tell you what, on the back of Origin last year, I thought, we, well, why not give us that event? Mm. You know, yeah. it's the nines is always a hard one, Kim. Yeah, but mate, yes. look at the success well, of that. Origin last year was sensational here in yeah, Perth. Yeah, I, I think with the nines, you know, it, it was a, a huge success when it first started in, in Auckland and then the numbers dropped off uh, over yeah. the last couple of years. So they... Had to find a new audience, I guess, for it in, in some way. And 
revitalise the concept to an extent. So, um, yeah, maybe WA was a bit of a left field choice, but that's probably what it needed to just revive the interest. And yeah, but why not bring it to a, a new audience? I, it, new South Wales, Queensland get plenty of rugby league throughout the whole year. So to to give a new area. Um, a, a one-off, you know, for the year, then I don't mm. see a problem mm. with that. And, you know, we've been doing it with Origin for a number of years at the MCD. Uh, you, you know, there was one, the first one was scheduled for, for Adelaide this year. Adelaide. Mm. Um, you know, remember years ago, we took a, an Origin match to Los Angeles. So I've got no problem with the this left field or out-of-the-box thinking, and I think that's what we need. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. I don't see it as a waste of money at all. I don't think um, some of the things are a little bit intangible. You know, you probably can't tell how many new consumers of the game we picked up from that, um, you know, from, from having that event in WA. But I'm sure there's quite a few. And, I'm, you know, I'm in a few of the rugby league groups on Facebook and that from, from WA, there's a genuine interest there and um, it certainly didn't hurt by having that that event over there. It spiked the interest and who knows what the future holds for, for rugby league expansion but, uh, or relocation well, I, I, for that matter. Mate, I'll tell you what the future holds and he came out in the front foot and we're talking about Mr Volandis yep. and said we ain't expanding. So if I'm talking from a WA point of view, <laughs> hello, at least Todd gave us a bit of life and yeah. and Mr. Smith before him. But, no, Villani's that was the first thing he said when appointed yeah, as the CEO. Yeah. I mean, not the CEO, but on the commission, didn't he? Yeah. He, he did, but then he let, he backtracked a little bit uh, later on on it. And, uh, I don't, well, don't I know so. if it's been ruled out completely, but there's always that relocation, mate, and maybe this uh, break in the game here has... Um, brought some reality to clubs and the, the way they operate and whether they're sustainable, long-term long existing, where they are and how the competition's structured at the moment. So interesting times ahead. Well, um, mate, today's show, we, we've got a couple of great great guests on today. We, we've gone a little bit diverse this week. So um, our, our two guests, one is a, a current Super League player who came via the NRL. And the other one is a, a bit of a uh, well-known character, initially from the New South Wales Cup, but has been in the, the Queensland Intrust Super Cup for a number of years and is a player I've coached um, on a number of occasions and he's always been the uh, the funniest man, the biggest character uh, at, at the clubs I've coached. So we'll, we'll talk him through. The first one's Kenny Edwards, who will we'll oh. play that interview first. And then the second one is Brad Luby. And if there's ever been a, a man whose name reflects his character better than Loopy, I, I don't know who it is. He's he's a <laughs> he is a character. He makes you laugh, and the, the interviews are a very good one with one of the bigger characters of our game. So uh, we might cross to Kenny Edwards first, mate. We, he's um, yeah. a very good interview well, with it, Kenny. Yeah, I, it was Kim, and I, I think we've been really lucky the last couple of weeks where our interviews have been superb, and and the re- you know, the feedback from those interviews has been really great. And um, to get this bloke, Kenny Edwards, and, you know, we all talk about and you think about and he, we didn't, I didn't realise myself he had a bit of a chequered career. And I remember his last two years at uh, Parramatta. Yep. And I thought he was outstanding. He got in a bit of trouble. But as he says that. But, mate, the respect he has for Brad Arthur 
is amazing, isn't it? And you'll hear it in this yeah. interview. Yeah, that really um, shone through in that interview to George. So we'll go to it now. So um, our listeners here, yeah, um, yeah, hop on board for this one. It's a great one. There's probably some some lessons there for our young fellows that are listening in as well. So we'll cross now. This is Kenny Edwards. Okay, our first guest for this week is Kenny Edwards. Kenny currently at the Huddersfield Giants, but has had a, a long career at the top levels of the game now and, and has come through a probably a little bit of a different pathway uh, to most players. So we're very interesting to, interested to hear his story today. So welcome aboard, Kenny. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me, Kimmy. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, a bit of a break in the boredom, mate, I guess, being in lockdown. Uh, yeah. Time is something we've all got at the moment. Sully over in Perth. Sully, how are you going there? Yeah, I'm good, Kim. Hello, Ken. Welcome aboard, mate. Hello, mate. Thanks for having me. Mate, well, I was just, it's interesting, Kim, just before we get in, it's interesting you mentioned that. And obviously, I've seen what's going on and we about the, the NRL players. How's it been for you guys in the Super League, Kenny? Um, yeah, like you said, mate, it's, it's, it's a pretty difficult time for everyone at the moment. Um, I think just the unknown is probably, probably the, the worst thing about it. You know, we don't know when we're starting. We don't know, mm. we don't know anything. We um, just got told about our job, our pay cuts uh, a couple of days ago, which, you know, isn't, isn't ideal. But, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you've you got to put things in, into perspective. And, uh, you know, there's a, a lot more people out there, a lot worse off than me. And, a lot worse off than NRL players and Super League players. So sometimes, you know, you got to put it in perspective and just, um, you know, be grateful for for what we did get. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Interesting over here because the, the NRL are constantly giving out information where it uh, doesn't necessarily seem to be the, the case here. And, um, yeah, um, yeah that, that's, uh, like you say, the, the unknown, Kenny, that, that's the most difficult thing to deal with at the moment. But uh, we'll try and keep this... Positive, and as you say, is a bit of perspective on things, and certainly mm. people worse off. But, uh, but on this show, we're really interested in, in the stories people or the players have got to tell and where they've come from to, to get to the point where they are today. And um, so, we're very interested in your background, mate. Born in uh, Levin, uh, yep. just north of Wellington. And so, uh, how did you first get started in rugby league, and, and what age were you when you? You moved to Australia and, and uh, Manly Waringa were, were your first NRL club. So just lead us into how you got to that point. Yep. Um, like all, all kids um, growing up in New Zealand, you, you either play rugby league or rugby union. Um, I was born into a rugby league rugby league family, um, a, a very staunch rugby league family. My dad played his whole life and, you know, all my cousins and my uncles all played rugby league. Um and I, I played when I was three. Me and my cousin, uh, my first cousin, James Tamo, we, my dad threw us in the deep end. Uh, I was three years old. He was four years old. We started playing under fives. So, um, mate, we played since we were kids. And, um, you know, it was always a dream to play in the NRL. And it wasn't until, you know, I was about 15. About 15, I was playing in the, in the men's men's division um, where I'm from in Levin because there's not men, not too much um, age grade yep. uh, rugby league around in that area. So um, we had to play with men from a young age. And um, I was lucky enough to get picked up and go to a... Um, I got picked up from the West Tigers originally on a scholarship and, um, and uh, sent to Kebra Park State High School on the yep. Gold Coast. 
Um, where I was actually, I, I got scouted as a 5'8". Um, I got scouted early in the year, 2005, as a 5'8". I was, I was skinny and then a um, little skinny run, running around. And then um, <laughs> by the time I got to Australia, I'd put on like 10 kgs. I got fat <laughs> and um, <laughs> rocked up to school. I was 10 kgs heavier and they threw me in the forward pack. So, yeah, I was at Kiebrew Park for, for two years. Uh, yep. I loved it there. Um, mm. And then uh, I was lucky enough to get picked up from the Manly Sea, sea Eagles um, in 2008. I moved down there um, yep. as an 18-year-old. The year before, you know, I had a really good year. I made the Australian school boys and yep. actually pulled out to play for the Junior Kiwis um, against the Australian school boys. Oh, um, okay. And, you know, I yeah, got picked up to go down to Manly um, with Des, Desi and, and that yep. was a tough one. Yeah, tough intro into the NRL life, but um, yeah, it's that's, cool. that's how I made it to my first uh, NRL club. Ah, so that, that's really interesting because so, yeah, you know, I did my thorough research, mate, on Wikipedia, and uh, yeah. I just mentioned that um, yeah, you were picked in the Australian schoolboys, and, and but I didn't realise then you you um, uh, decided to go with the, the Kiwi. So, what, who who were some players in that junior Kiwi team with you? Um, man, we had a we had an awesome side there, and our junior Kiwis team that that year was the the front row. Me and uh, I know Russell Packer and Lisa Armel yep. um, were the front rowers. We had Big Musa, Big Musa Masoi, Musa Masoi, and Ben Matalino. Uh, <laughs> ben Matalino. We had uh, oh man, who else did we have in that side? It, I had the photo it was. Our forward pack was like, man, it was it was outstanding. Yeah. We come yeah. up against a really good Australian schoolboys team too. Um, yeah. um, that you know they they cleaned us up the first game. They <laughs> um, they, they beat us for about thirty. They had like okay. Kieran Foran, uh, Kevin Proctor, yep. um, Daniel Mortimer. Uh, man, they had that. It was a star-studded team, the Aussie team. Yeah. We were both good teams, but yeah, Aussie got us in the first game. They pumped us by forty and. We got we got them in the second game. Oh, nice! Yeah. Were those games in Australia or? No, they were in um, New Zealand. They were in New Zealand, yeah. actually. Um, it's funny. I made the Australian schoolboys team to start with, and the whole time I, I wanted to play for them. I was going to play for Australia. Like I'm a proud Kiwi, yep. born and bred in New Zealand. Um, yeah. And um, it wasn't until about three weeks before we were leaving for tour. Um, my my dad gave me a call, and he just. He just asked me if, if if it was you know if I had made the right decision to play for Australia and that and yep. he said mate you know uh, he'd never got a chance to put a black and white jersey on and he said this may be our only chance to to, to yeah. play for New Zealand ever again yeah and um, so you know it sort of hit home and yeah. sort of facing yeah. the hucker facing the hucker or something you know I couldn't I couldn't uh, bear to do um, yeah uh, yeah so I decided to pull out pull out of that team that Australian team and play for the Kiwis. Yeah. Kim and Kenny, it's quite interesting. He, he mentioned two players that were playing for the Australian schoolboys who have actually worn a black and white in New yes. Zealand as they've got That's older. Right. Kieran yeah. Foran and Kevin Proctor. Yeah. So yeah. that was an interesting yeah. fact. <laughs> it's funny that that weekend, so it was the Australian schoolboys, which were the under-18s and the junior Kiwis under-18s that weekend. And then the following weekend, it was um, the junior Kiwis and the junior Kangaroos, which is the under 19s, yep. playing the following week. They both, Kieran Foran and the other, and, um, and, uh, Epi. Uh, yeah, ended up, um, getting taken into the squad for the junior Kiwis under 19s oh, the following week. Right. And down in oh, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was funny how it worked out. Yeah. You, um, you have some Cook Island heritage as well, 
boat, is that right? Yeah, yep. Has, has um, there ever been an opportunity or consideration to, to play for them? Yeah, there is. There has been. Um, last year was the closest I've come to playing yep. um, at the Nines. Um, yep. But I, I had a family... Uh, my mum got a bit sick back in New Zealand and I had to yep. unfortunately pull out of that. But, yeah, last year was the closest I've come to playing um, yep. for the Cook Islands. Um, yep. But this year, well, before they had a June, uh, we had a June uh, mid-year test yep. um, planned to play against, I think it was Fiji or Samoa back in Australia. Yep. And um, mm. I, that's, I was really keen to play on that. Yeah. Um, so, so are you thinking of World Cup? Next year, they've, yeah, they've no, definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. Nice. Oh, yeah. I've been on the phone. Uh, Brad yeah. Takarangi, who, who I'm really close with from my Parramatta days, um, he's yeah. been on the phone all the time, telling me, you know, to get keen and that. So now I'm definitely looking forward to um, yeah. heading into a World Cup year next year. Yeah, but we, in the show we're, we're talking a, a bit about the international game, and um, mm. obviously the World Cup makes it very relevant. But the growth yeah. of the game in some of the smaller nations has been a real positive uh, uh, for the whole sport. So it's it's good to hear yeah, that the players are going to represent um, the, the smaller nations or the emerging yeah. nations, and I think this World Cup's going to be a cracker. Yeah. Uh, can't well, 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 well someone with Kenny's experience will help that Cook Island side as well, won't it? And yeah. I know a young fellow that I know a young fellow that was very good for the Cook Island team uh, in the nines you talked about, and he played SG ball here. In WA is Teevan Arona. Yeah. Young Teevan's done a he's really coming yeah. along well, the boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I seen him. Mate, they they played outstanding at the nines. Um, mm. I was watching, I was in New Zealand with my mum and I, um we had to rush down the pub because the the Tonga game before they played the Tonga game. And um, mate, I knew they were gonna do well and um, they played really well. All the all the young fellas um played played outstanding and yeah, um, you know, to see the next next wave, but just some other players that are coming through, like we've got um Jordan Rapana and we've got uh, uh, Joseph Manu and there's there's a lot of players you know Dylan Ooh. might make himself you know available for us come yep. next year we'll up which we're hoping but you know um, yeah which will be nice like you see what happened with Tonga and yeah, you know what exactly. the boys um, Big J oh. and JT and that have done for that that little yeah. nation and yep. so um, yeah no, yeah be good. Interesting. Uh, we'll get back to your career, but so we mentioned Manly um, were the first team to pick you up in 20s and you, you had a year yep. there and then over to the Dragons. And fair to say, a bit of a bumpy ride through through that time when you were a young fella. Um, and then eventually, after a, a couple of years, even via Southport on the Gold yeah. Coast, uh, yeah. you, you ended up at Parramatta. Um, at Southport, my dad was my brother's club. He was retired by then. But uh, oh, yeah. who, who was your coach? There was Bluey, Bluey Dowd. No, nah, no, nah, Dowdy wasn't my coach then. He was yeah. um like the uh, he just he was sort of run the club. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. It was it was a bloke named Jason. Um. He he um Jason Wilkinson. Yep. Um. He he was our coach that year. Um. I made I enjoyed my year at Southport. Yeah. That was my first year back in league since the under twenties. I um yep. sort of went away from rugby league for a couple of years and. Didn't really play anything and just, just okay. chilled. But that year, my year at Southport just made it. I really enjoyed myself and um, got me yep. back in love with the game again. Yeah, excellent. So uh, it was to Parramatta after there. Is yeah. that how it panned out? And then uh, yep. what? Six seasons at, at Parra. Um, yeah, yep, yep. Seven, seventy games. Um, yeah. 
what what sort of your fondest memories there, right? And be, before we get on to the Catlin stint, which I, I assume was a highlight, but uh, yeah, your Not, time at Parramatta, what, what's some thoughts there and highlights um, there? The bit, obviously, my debut was a was was a, was a big one. Um, I, I like I said, I left rugby league for a couple of years and went, had a bit of a high, I didn't really, really uh, went away from the game. Um, and I watched people, folks I played with like Kieran Foran and Jared Warrior Hargraves, who I was, who we, we all went into the, it was us three sort of young ones that went into the NRL system at, at uh, Manly yep. at the same time. And uh, to see those blokes kick on and play for New Zealand and all that stuff really um, lit a fire. You know, I knew I could, I could be at the top and I could be with them. Um, you know, if, if I got the opportunity, and um, so to, to get to get back into the game after you know two or three years off, um, yeah. and to play that first game after you know uh, after a bumpy ride was uh, massive. But apart yeah. from that, mate, just the the, the friendships that I, that that mm-hmm. I um, that you get out of rugby league, um, and not only with the players but with my coach with, with Brad Arthur, the, yeah. mm-hmm. um, the the relationship that we had that we still have. You know, I was texting him a couple of days ago asking him questions yeah. about some stuff and you know I'm always on the phone to him still um after after um you know after I left there yep. and um he's he's been a, he was a big big um influence on me uh, I'll, uh, so I'll be uh, sober um in three weeks one year one year sober in three weeks so and he was yep. a big mm-hmm. influence behind that you know um when I left Parramatta I was still drinking and all that sort of stuff and Catalans I was I was still you know drinking alcohol and that but yep. um yeah, this last year has probably been the best year of my life. I've been sober, and and he's been he was a massive influence. Um, what's that? I was going to ask you about Brad Arthur, Kenny, because he looks like he he looks like a just one of the uh, just a good bloke. You know, he cares about yeah. his players. He stood up yeah. for the club, and obviously you were there in two eighteen when you know, and yeah. and since then they've lifted up the club itself. But he just looks like a decent human being, um, yeah, and obviously mate. what you're just From, saying now echoes that. Yeah, from from the day I, from the first day I met him, um, you know, he came into Parramatta when the Parramatta was like I'll be honest, it was a shit show. Um, Sticky left us halfway, you know, at the end of the year, and that year we got the wooden spoon by far. You know, we won like three or four games the whole year. We're getting beaten by fifty every every week, and mm-hmm. um, Brad Arthur come in when you know the club had you know and before that they'd lost they would won like two or three consecutive wooden spoons. Um, and Brad Arthur, you know, walked into that, walked into, the, you know, what we know now, now as that board, that the infamous board of Parramatta that yep. killed a lot of uh, coaches. And, you know, he, um, that next year, he got us, we were one win away from um, making the top eight, uh, come down to the last round, well, the last two rounds, we only had to win one of the last two rounds. And, you know, we lost both of them, but, um, you know, he got us to one within that. And then the following year, um, you know, we won a bit better. And then 2017, we really um, hit, I oh know, 2016, when we went through the salary cap crisis, um, you know, we mm. went through the salary cap. Um, mate, he really, he really, he was a shining light um, through all of that for us. He took everything, he took everything on and just let us focus on footy. And uh, in that 2016 year, uh, if we hadn't lost those points, we would have finished like fifth um, that year. <laughs> Even after, you know, losing those points, um, we still went on and won enough games to finish fifth if, if we hadn't lost those points. Brad was a 20s coach at, at Melbourne when I first Melbourne, arrived yeah. there as the 18s coach. And um, uh, he has always been a very attacking coach. And I, I know your style of play. And, and it's interesting to note that you, know, you, you came through as a 5'8 
as a junior and yeah. um, reflecting the way you play the game out on the bench. So I, I'm thinking Brad's coaching style would have really Mate. suited suited you and um, a lot of the players in Paramount. There's a lot of attacking flair in that team yeah. and that, that's been the way Brad's coached since I've known him for sure. Yeah, no, I, I learned so much off Brad. Um, you know, the year before under Sticky, um, they had two completely different coaches. Um, mm. You know, I um, I thought, you know, as a back row, you just got to run hard and tackle hard um, in that year that I had with Stick. And, um, you know, when Brad came and, and he sort of, he, he drove me, he drove me to be a ball playing back rower. He drove me yeah. to, um, you know, have the confidence. He said, mate, nine times out of 10, I want you to take, if you see an opportunity, I want you to take it, I want you to overcall it. If it yeah. doesn't come off, it doesn't come off, you know what I mean? But if the opportunity is mm. there, then you just back yourself. And he, like, I've, and pretty, and since he's been my coach, you know, I've, I've, um, I've done, well, I've grown as a player um, yeah. uh, under his coaching. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's a bit of confidence, isn't it? In, yeah. And you're coming from the coach makes the world a difference. So, yeah, yeah it's good to hear. The, uh, we'll move on to Catalans. So, um, that, that was obviously a big move to, to you know, pack up and go to the other, other side of the world. And um, you had a young family at that point as well, is that right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. but um, it really paid off with the, the highlight being the, the Challenge oh. Cup. And, you know, just tell us about, I, I guess, the, the week leading into that and then um, the celebrations afterwards. I imagine it yeah. was pretty great. Yeah. Mate. Uh, give oh. us some, some thoughts on that. <laughs> Yeah, mate. Um, <laughs> mate, uh, it, was, it was crazy. Um, you know, as it panned out at Para, you know, as you know, another a, a silly mistake. You know, I had to I had to pack up and uh, pack up and leave and head over to the Super League. It was never my intentions to come out of the Super League. Okay. To be honest, um, I yeah. didn't even really follow much of the Super League beforehand. But um, you know, as things happened, panned out. Um, you know, I, I headed I headed over to uh, Catalans mid. Due, uh, mid 2018 May, I think, start of May, I, had, yep. I, I got over there. And, um, and mate, straight from like that, that club had been through, they'd, they were in the uh, million pound game the, the year before, yeah, yeah. fighting yeah. for survival. Mm, yep. um, and it just scraped through that. And the start of that year, 2018, they'd won, I think, one game from their first nine games. Yep. And they were, they were going through, you know, a rough time. And, and um, they, just before I'd got there, they'd they were able to turn things around and went on a bit of a roll. And then, um, so when I jumped on board, when I come on board halfway through the year, they'd, they'd, they'd already been on a roll and we're heading yeah. in, the, in the right direction sort of thing. And um, my first game into into the uh, into, in Super League was actually the, a Challenge Cup quarter final yep. uh, cool. against Huddersfield, against Huddersfield yeah. Giants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now. So that was a bit of a rough intro, but mate, I loved it. I, I loved the, uh, the way that, you know, you can, Sort of play um, play a bit more over here um, yep. without the pressures of the NRL. Um, yep. You know, there's not uh, uh, a knife at your throat after you know after every game. Yep. Uh, every game counts over here, but you, you can afford to sort of play a bit more over here, which suits suits my, um, my yep. style of play. Definitely, yeah. And, um, Kenny, Kenny, it must have been amazing. You know, let's talk about that day. You know, like honestly. It's quite incredible. Wembley Stadium. You would have heard stories, wouldn't you, as a kid about this. What's this Wembley Stadium about? You know, one big game a year, rugby league gets to play there, and you're there on well, the 25th of August, 218, yeah. and you nah. jump out of a lead and you had to hang on, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that game. I remember it finally. Um, the whole week leading up to the game actually was crazy, man. You know, you, um, I, like – 
I didn't re- I didn't know much about Super League. I, I to, it's a bit funny. Like before I come, like a week before I come here, I only just found out that there was two competitions in the one. Like I, I had no idea. Like I hadn't yeah. really followed much of the Super League and the Challenge Cup sort of thing. But yeah. once I got here and um, and, and like realised what what it was about, like the Challenge Cup, how big it is. Um, made it was massive just just to get there. The semi final actually, the semi final against a St Helens team who were yeah. I think they'd won they lost one game all year. Yeah. And we had to we come <laughs> yeah. up against them in the semi final. Yeah. That game is still to date like the the mate the most <laughs> up for a game that I've said like before we run out for the game like that team was practically unbeaten. They've lost one game all year, but yeah. I knew when we were, we're leaving that change we're all whacking each other in the changes before the game. I knew we were winning yeah. that game. And oh. um, yeah, that was a, that was that was a massive game for us to win that St Helens one. Um, no one gave us a hope in hell of winning that mm. semi final. Yeah. And then um, yeah, like you said, to be at Wembley, mate, was um, man, it was massive. It was massive <laughs> crowd, and and um, you know, just just being in a game like that. Um, after I was at Parramatta, and we didn't start the year that well. Uh, we'd won two from eight or something, and you know, then to be a couple of months later standing at Wembley Stadium yeah, yeah. in front of you know thousands thousands of fans was massive. Yeah, the, the crowds out of the year are oh. different, aren't they? They, they love oh. the singing. Uh, yeah. It can oh. be a smallish crowd, but the yeah. atmosphere is still awesome. And yeah, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I really crazy, love that about, about the game over here. Yeah. And uh, yeah. they turn on you pretty quickly, though, if um, oh. you're not doing well. They're, they're straight into you. <laughs> but yeah. uh, when, the, when the team <laughs> or the club's doing well, yeah. it's the best. So, um, um, on from there, now you, you've ended up at the, the Giants this year, and it's been a a very positive start to the year uh, for the club and sitting up in the top uh, two or three of the, the Super League before we we hit this uh, breaking play. But a disappointing loss to Toronto in the Challenge Cup. So uh, there won't be another Challenge Cup final this year for you, mate, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, the, you had know, to move over to England and, and again with, with your young family, how, how are you? How have you settled in? The family okay? You know, this is a bit of a yeah, speed bump at the moment with the pandemic, but uh, everything positive for you? Yeah, mate, we love it here. Um, one thing you mentioned, my young family was it was a big part of the reason and why I wanted to leave the south of France. Mm. Um, south of France is a beautiful place to live. Don't get me wrong. I lo- we loved it. We loved our time there um, yeah. in the south of France. But having two young kids, um, yeah. you know, my, my daughter who's nine, um, and my son, who's six, they, they uh, my son missed, like I was there the last, pretty much the last two years or year and a half. And he missed his um, intro into, you know, into school. So he missed mm. the kindergarten and all the learning before you head into school. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, at the time, we didn't really realize how, how, how far they were behind in school and how far they were getting behind in school. Because they, they go to an all French school over there. So yeah. they, just, uh, okay. like, they just learn French. They, they mm. learn they're too busy learning French at school. They're not yes. learning anything else. Yeah. And, um, so we we sort of we we're, we're paying for that now. You know, my daughter and son are so far behind everyone else in yeah. their classes, and but well, we're trying to catch them up. We've got a tutor who they do twice a yeah. week, and nice. you know, yeah, it helps them oh, twice a week. And we yeah. have the school system over here is really good. It's it's um, you know they reckon it's better in Australia's schooling system yeah. here. Excellent. So we're really lucky um in that respect but we're loving it here made in england um obviously the weather well it's been beautiful the last week yeah, um, it has. <laughs> and, um there's been times we were uh, we were sitting in um 
and video in the morning at, at training and we'd go to leave for training and it's snowing on our way to a field session yeah. <laughs> and uh, which, which has been tough uh, it's been tough but no mate it's been a good move um, obviously the boys didn't go that well last year um, mm. through injuries they got a lot of injuries in their head you know um, they had kids kids running around for them all, all year and couldn't really, you know, uh, make an impact on the competition because they had kids running around for them. But, yep. you know, we've started the year well this year, mate. You know, we've got uh, myself, Caesar, and James Gavar who, who, who come, mm. have come over. And I think yep. Caesar's been a massive help, uh, yep. been a massive, uh, you know, he's really, um, we come in and, and um, sort of, and had a look at things in that, and and Caesar's been a massive um, influence on, on why we've started the year so well. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no. Once the season gets back underway, mate, hopefully we can um, pick up where we left so, off. Yeah. So, yeah. so Kenny, Kenny, the body feels good, mate. Obviously, um, you're still, you know, you're forty years, thirty-one now. Is that right? Uh, yeah, 30. 30, 30, now. 30. But, um, yeah, yeah, so no, the body's, the body's good, still mate. feeling good. Yeah. Yeah, no, the body's so, still good. Like I said, I uh, I uh, debuted a bit later than everyone else. So I wasn't tw- I wasn't until mm. I was twenty-four. Um, I debuted, so I haven't got the miles and and you know all the injuries that it. A lot of other blokes my age have got, so the body can get through a bit more and hopefully push push out a few more years than you know yep. um, blokes that you know have been playing in the NRL for a bit longer. Yeah, excellent. But that probably leads us into the next next bit. And I've had a couple of discussions to you um, with you around around the office at times about your your post rugby league career, and yep. um, you've got an interest in coaching, and you, you've um, looked into some courses there, and there, there's a bit of a pathway there, no doubt. For you, uh, what what a lot of people wouldn't know is that um, the the NRL actually have a, a very good setup with the funding that is available to to ex players, and it, it's whether they've retired or together or they've left the NRL comp for a different competition as, as you had. But there's funding available to support players in their pursuit of, of a career outside of rugby league. So. Um, yeah, as I said, a lot of people wouldn't know that. It's one of the great yeah. things the NRL do. So, so you're um, looking to tap into that. And what, yeah, what in ten years' time, where, where do you see Kenny Edwards? Um, yeah, mate. Um, like you said, the NRL has been they've been outstanding and setting up all these grants and funds for players who have left the the NRL and still you know um, help us out uh, with the payments and all that sort of stuff. They actually pay fifty percent up front of your course, whatever course you do, and then they pay another seventy five. Uh, then they they pay another twenty five percent once you've completed the course. So you're only playing for twenty five percent of the course. Yeah. Um, that, that you do and um, I've started a coaching course um, I'm, I'm looking into a Good. diploma I want to start my diploma in um, youth work yep. and um, I've actually just started a, a short course too of coaching and psychology with the with the um, English government here so Thanks. yeah mate they've been outstanding oh. and um, I, I sort of want to head down the road and again Brad Arthur I uh, reference Brad Arthur again has been a massive part in, in wanting uh, and me Wanted to start getting into coaching, um, you know. I really, he really picked my brains, and I really pick his brains on on, yeah. on footy. And he knows that I'm a, I'm like, a, I'm really footy smart for, for I'm not just a dumb front row or a dumb forward who just runs lines. Um, yeah. And um, so he he was a, an influence um, on me, and and uh, wanting to get into coaching. He said, mate, you should get into coaching because you yeah. know, coaching, mentor sort of thought, side of things. And I sort yeah. of took that on board. And so I've, I've sort of got all the ball rolling. And yeah. um, like I said, it's the primary in youth work, I want to I get started um, is yeah. working with, you know, young young kids that come through the same as me, a bit yeah. troubled and 
didn't yep. have the you know, upbringing that they would have wanted and, and that sort of stuff. So sort of mentoring, coaching, and um, and helping youth, uh, yeah. troubled youth, you know, when I, I finish is okay. what I want I to get into. It's a, a perfect career. Um, you know, you, you tick those boxes. You, you said you've had the experience, I guess, on both sides of the, of the track. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're certainly passionate about it. And you're a good communicator. You know, that, that's probably the key yeah. to any coaching or, or mentoring role that uh, – yeah, you've got to be able to get that message across. So yeah. um, certainly no problem there. We're, we're going well, to have to that, that was wind a, it up. That yeah. was a question. Just yep. I've got one question to ask Kenny yep. before 60 seconds with yep. Sally hits him. Yeah. What would a now Kenny Edwards advise a young Kenny Edwards? Yeah, I've I've got this a couple of times this question and it, it's hard, mate. It's hard when you're mm. a kid and you're, you're coming through and you all you see is the, the bright lights of the NRL and and the the, mm. the culture. Well, not the culture, but you know what comes with it. You know, um, money money. I never had um, the celebrity side of it. not celebrity, but the you know you walk the streets and people are saying, oh, can I get a phone or so, You know, you sort of you take it for granted. Um, mm. You know, it was me now. Like I, I look. I look at kids now, like even here in England, like I look at like kids driving around in flash cars and all this stuff when none, they're not on much money. And that was me. That was me when I was 18, 19, driving a big flash car and, and all this sort of stuff without, you know, investing my money properly and all this sort of stuff. But you don't realise until you go through it, mate, I, I don't think I would have realised if I didn't, you know, sort of lose mm. it all, um, which, is, which is not ideal. But, um, you know, I, I've, um, I'm only young, I'm only 30, and I can still turn it around, you know, um, so that's what I'm hitting. But yeah, like I said, mate, it's all the young kids out there. You just, yeah, it's it's hard to explain because you you, you haven't been through it. And I think yeah, exactly. Through, you know, yeah. No, exactly. Right, mate. Let's liven it up here. Yep. Six, six, right, six seconds with Sally. Here we go. Number one. What's your favourite holiday spot? Tenerife. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna tell the story. Yeah, of course. Your favourite other sport. Um, I would have to go NBA basketball. Right, yeah, that's a very, very popular with you yeah, boys. I must have said, yeah, yeah. very all the boys. What can't you live without? My kids. Nah, the greatest influence on your life. Ooh, greatest influence on my life would have to be. All right, that's a that's. You can have a couple. You can have a couple. Well, one one would probably be um, my sister. My sister was, uh, you know, she was pretty much my my mum and my dad growing up. Um, my old sister Ricky Lynn, and then another one like in my in my adult years to, and still to now is probably Brad Arthur. Ah, oh, beautiful. Yeah, your favourite food? Uh, it would be chicken schnitzel and uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, pasta. <laughs> favourite non rugby league comp. And a team, not non NRL comp, so not the NRL, not the Super League, but maybe something back home and a team from that comp. Okay. Yep, I'll go. Oh, I'd have to go to my hometown, Living Knights. Living Knights. Yeah, um, back in. I, I yeah. like that. And the last one, I can tick, 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 tick. If you're down to your last $50, how would you spend it? Oh, how would I spend it? I'd probably be spend. Twenty dollars on getting ten kgs of rice. What is unlimited? Um, oh, nah! I'll just go and get a big feed of Macca's. Fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, thanks for set. 
Thanks, Kenny. Uh, beautiful. <laughs> well done, mate. We'll we'll wind that up. It's been great talking to you, mate, and it, um, it's always interesting to, to hear the pathways in particular of players um, who are at the top level and I'd be wish you all the best. Obviously, I'll see you around hopefully sooner rather than yep. later and be back on yeah. the paddock here. But yeah, but it sounds like a bit of a goal next year to play in that World Cup. So we mm. have all the best and um, uh, yeah. been great talking to you. Thanks very much. Thanks, mate. Thank Thanks, you. Kenny. Thanks for having me, guys. Nice to meet you, Sally. All the yeah, best. Lovely to meet you, mate. Excellent. Thanks, mate. Oh, Kimbo, I could have talked to Kenny all day. Wow, what a story. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and he communicates honesty, really mate. well. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yeah, very honest. And, and he's a very good speaker. He gets his message across. I think I mentioned that towards the end of the, the interview as well. But, uh, um, like, you know, he's a guy who's now, uh, you know, coming out the right side of some, I guess, some bad patches in his life. And he, he's got some direction in his life outside of footy as well. So, uh, yeah. He'll go on to be successful um, in a career outside the footy, I've got no well, doubt. Well, and Kimbo, from a Huddersfield point of view, as you said, they're pretty excited about what's going to happen in the next, if when they get back on the field. They're a pretty fair squad. Yeah, but the forward back has been impressive and there's not a lot of big names. Uh, you know, Kenny and James um, Gavade have added some uh, experience and quality to that pack, but there's a lot of young hard workers uh, in the squad and Aiden Caesar at halfback has given him a lot of direction around right. the paddock so he's made a big difference so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we get back on the paddock for sure but, but we, we mentioned with Kenny the, the Cook Islands heritage there mm. and that leads us into our, our main topic for the day and that's the state of the international game at the moment and the World Cup over here in the UK next year. There's some pretty exciting times ahead. I, I think it's going to be an absolutely superb World Cup. I, I can't wait for it. It's going to be the best one yet. So, uh, you want to run through the, the teams, that the final qualifiers for us there, Sully? Yeah, absolutely, mate. And as you say, it starts in the UK next year, 23rd of October, 2021, culminating in the final on the 27th of November. And here are the pools. Have a listen to some of these names. Pool Group A: England, Samoa, France, Greece. Yep. Pool B: Australia, Fiji, Scotland, Italy. Scotland very impressive in the last one that was over there as well, yeah. weren't they? Yep. yep. Group C: New Zealand, Lebanon, Jamaica, and Ireland. <laughs> and Group D, which I'm finding a little bit of a, a pool of death, actually. Tonga. PNG, Wales, and the Cook Islands. Mm. Yeah, very and interesting. Tell you, that Pool D group, Kim, yep. must interest you because obviously you coached in Wales last year. Yep. And you've had a lot to do with the PNG as well. Papua New Guinea, of course, who yep. last test match they defeated Great Britain. Yep. Um, mate, can you fill us in a little bit about the future of there? Because honestly, International Rugby League, that would have been the biggest punch in the arm for them beating a Great Britain side last year. Yeah, it's interesting that that GB tour. So if you look at it from a purely Great Britain perspective, it's an absolute disaster losing uh, the PNG, losing the Tonga. But from a broader World oh. Rugby League perspective, it's uh, what an awesome punch, like you say, shot in the arm for, for the game, for the international game. You know, Tonga 
have really emerged over the last two years and on the on the back of Jason Tornalolo, um, you know, putting his um, uh, loyalty to, to those rather than New Zealand and then the feeder and a few of the others jumping on the back of that. that that's been fantastic. And, of course, they beat Australia as well. So um, that was awesome. But then to, for PNG to beat them now, had some experience in PNG and uh, the introduction of the Hunters into the, the Queensland Intra Super Cup. So they, they came in 2014. It was the year after uh, we'd won the, the premiership with Mackay Cutters. And I had the absolute honour of, of being the club delegate, so the Queensland, the Intra Super Cup, the delegate for all the clubs to head over there with uh, Jamie O'Connor and a, a couple of the other, the QRL executives at the time. And uh, my job was basically to ha- have a look at their facilities over there along with the QRL guys and you know, and report back to the clubs on whether, um, you know, they, they had the facilities and the, I guess the capacity to become part of the, the Queensland Cup. So I, what I saw was, absolute fanaticism for the game over there. And <laughs> at, at that point, they weren't playing in Port Moresby. The, the current new stadium in Port Moresby was only just being built at that time. So we, we actually played those games for the first uh, three years, I think it was, in um, a place called Kokopo, or Kokopo, which is on the, the New Britain island. So um, it was just in a, a lovely little village you know, by the sea. It was a beautiful spot, but the, the ground was quite old. There were no change rooms, um, no <laughs> no time, you know, no game clock. Um, but they packed pack the place literally to the rafters and beyond. And, uh, you know, you, you'd get changed at the hotel, catch your, your mini bus um, down to the ground, and there'd be, uh, you know, 50, 60 kids running alongside the bus. Uh, all shouting out, you know, T-shirt, T-shirt or hat, hat. And, um, you know, the boys had just couldn't get enough of it and, you know, we were more than happy to throw some gear out to them and uh, watch the brawl that ensued over getting the uh, – who would get the T-shirt or the hat. And um, um, like that that was the, the general, I guess, um, feeling every time you went over there that – People just loved us being there. Um, so we had the pleasure then of being the first team to go over and play there as the reigning premiers, the, the Mackay Cutters. So that was their first home game in 2014 for the Hunters. They had It was week two. Week one, they'd come over and beat Redcliffe. And no one saw that coming. Then they knocked us off, the, the reigning premiers, in round two at their home game. Well, I, I remember arriving at the airport um, and uh, there was a waiting party, you know, traditional dancers and singers there, and there was a massive crowd that's there, and, you know, couldn't get enough of it. It was like being a rock star, mm. and nothing changed. Every time we went over, um, it was the same. And then, you know, eventually the, the stadium in Port Moresby was finished, and it, it was the same welcome there. Like People just love you being there. And uh, although, you know, the, the country has its challenges, um, the rugby league is a shining bright over there. It's an NRL. It's a world-class stadium. The the stadium they've got there. They've got their, you know, their gym and their their offices there. And it's the trip that everyone in that Queensland Cup uh, looks forward to every year. Everyone wants to be on that trip. 
Kim, they won a premiership, though, didn't they? They did, they won, they won it in the last 30 seconds of the game. They beat yep. the Sunshine Coast Falcons. Uh, yep, that's right. I get, I'm pretty sure they had a national holiday, and I'm not making that up. I'm pretty no, sure no, they, I, I, I agree happened. with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the, the one thing with the, the yeah. PNG, the one thing with the PNG national team, yeah, is they all are. You know, there's they're all PNG descent, aren't they? Like, yeah, th- that's and, what I noticed yeah. with it. There's no, there's no Joe Blow whose grandmother was. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's there might be a, a, a sprinkling, but uh, far and wide, and more so now because of the the depth they've got. Um, they come through the Digicel Cup, which is their their semi professional competition, but more so the Hunters. Being in the Queensland Cup, but, but Kyle Kyle Labor, um, um, Pagey from um, early Luke Page, yeah, they they've been part of that squad, but they've been in it for for quite a while, and and there's obviously oh, of course, some I heritage. Know Luke Page. Yep. Yeah, there's obviously some heritage there, but yeah, the eighty percent of that team live um, in PNG, work there, and and there's just a sprinkling of the NRL or or Queensland Cup players, so. Like again, to beat that GB team was just an absolutely phenomenal uh, achievement. Kim, have you ever watched a local game in PNG? Like uh, the local comp? I've watched videos of it. I haven't actually been to a game. What? Oh, sorry, they, they've played some curtain raises to the Intra right. Super Cup game. So I've seen them there. Yep. I haven't been to a local ground as such to watch. I've seen some on video, but yes, I have seen some live. It is the most yep. brutal level of rugby league you will ever watch, mate. They they bash each other. But um, mm. skill, but not to the detriment of the skill in the game either. Um, mm. Yeah, mm. And you look at even that first year when they had a squad of players who come straight out of their local competition play in the Interest Super Cup. They missed the finals, so I think, by two points. You know, they, yep. they finished seventh. If it was top six, they finished seventh. Um, and th- this is a massive culture change for guys who are living, you know, in villages in the middle of nowhere there. And they all came under the Hunter's banner and they lived in camp together. They lived seven days a week together, trained, you know, pretty well every day. Um, so the change in their lifestyle it was phenomenal. And then to be travelling mm. to Australia every second week to play, um, the, the challenges they overcame to be successful in that comp and more the cultural, I think, challenges. And it's not the skill level or the knowledge of rugby league that has ever lacked there. They're, they know as much about the game and they play it as hard, if not harder, than anyone else in the world. It, you know, if they played every game at home, they, they'd pretty well win the comp every year, you know, it's just mm. travelling every second week and it's the big cultural changes that these players experience that is their biggest challenge. So um, phenomenal. The game over there is, is awesome and um, we love the passion and it's the only country in the world where rugby league is the national sport. So um, it's great to see their growth. But, uh, yeah, it's not just there where all the positives are coming, mate. You know, some of those other Countries you named in the line, Jamaica, oh, Greece, Jamaica. qualified for the first time. I know yeah. a handful of the, the Greek players and the challenges they've had to make the, the World Cup. I mean, they've spent their own money to come over and play in numerous qualifiers over here in the UK. Um, 
they didn't get help with that. They've paid for that out of their own pocket. Um, you know, the Scotland, Italy, those countries as well. But um, Cook Island, you know, excellent wow. to see them qualified again. And they they could well be a force if they get a number of those players, as as Kenny mentioned in his interview. They right? get a handful of those players who have Cook Island heritage who commit to them ahead of, say, New Zealand, then um, it's game on. Oh, 100%. And as you said, Kenny, you know, they were very good in the World Nines, as Cook, as Kenny did mention. So that's a little, that's an interesting group, that group. Though. As I said, Tonga, PNG, Wales and Cook Island. Yeah, that's yeah. a really nicey little tasty group. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. The, the other thing about the international game is the growth in other areas that you don't necessarily hear about. Now, like I, I went to Russia with rugby league back in 2005 and was with the Australian under-16s team for the World Youth Cup and I had the privilege of being the coach of that. And we, we ended up winning it. But the, the awesome thing was two weeks in Moscow and we got to see some of the local Russian rugby league. Now, it was a professional competition back in 2005. These were full-time players playing in the, the um, Russian rugby league competition. Now, it hit a wall not long after that and, and uh, you know, the game fell away, mainly based on funding. The Russian government uh, decided only to fund um, Olympic sports is what happened. Now, Russian rugby league is getting back on the, um, I, I guess, on the front foot uh, in in Russia, and they're, they're seeking funding again, and it looks though there's a good opportunity arising for the game to grow again there. But in the meantime, Norway um, have a um, a senior competition. They've just been recognised for the first time as a sport over there. Norway only recognises rugby as one sport, they don't differentiate between rugby league and rugby union. It's only been in the last couple of weeks where rugby league and rugby union have joined forces over there to have mutual recognition. So now rugby league can gain funding in Norway. The game is about to kick on over there. We've got a competition in Turkey. We've got a competition in the West Indies. Um, there's, there's things happening everywhere. There's a competition in Greece. Um, you know, the game is growing. And a lot of these competitions are starting from scratch. But in, who knows, 5, 10, 15 years' time, um, who knows what the international game is going to look like. One thing I'm pretty sure of, it's going to look a lot stronger than it ever has on an international level. Oh, 100%. I, I remember the photos of the, the Russian trip you went on and yep. the look on some of the kids. They were playing on the artificial turf, weren't yes. they? Yeah, oh. yeah, we got a broken collarbone, broken collarbone in the first game. The one of the players there, and what was even <laughs> scarier was when he went to hospital. I think that was the scariest bit. <laughs> so there was some good stories out of that tour. Well, but uh, and great are, to see. Yep. are you talking about the hunters? Obviously, in the Queensland Cup, and obviously what's happening now in the New South Wales Cup with the Fiji Silk Tuck. Yes. Yep. Now that's another. Progression, yeah, it's just going to help that country, isn't it? Yes, definitely. It's. I believe they're coming in via the Ron Matty Cup first. Is that That's, right? Well, they're the playing. View. They're playing this year. Yeah. Okay. They're, in the yeah. Ron Massey, well, they were in the Ron Massey in two twenty. Yeah. And into the New South Wales Cup in two twenty one. Yeah. yeah. But, but, um, Fiji, and they did Fiji. start. Imagine playing yeah. those bikes everywhere. Uh, oh. But Fiji are the 
next sleeping giant. There's no doubt at all. They've already performed well in the past couple of World Cups, but now you know you see the quality of players in the NRL from BD at the moment. Uh, they're, oh. they're the next Tonga. Like they they will be the up and coming uh, nation, and yeah, look out at having that team in in the New South Wales um, competitions is the catalyst. Uh, for them to kick on as as PNG have done. So, uh, yeah, there's a bloke. Stage. There's a Kimbo. There's a bloke we must get on. The the, the gentle giant, the most wonderful yeah. man Petro? you'll ever meet, Petro Sivanasiva. Yeah. We Excellent. must we must get him on our show. We must. making a note of that now, mate. All right, he's, we'll do that. He's a giant. Leave it with he's me. A, mate, well, you talk about. You talk about general giants, and then you talk about <laughs> characters. Oh, gee, I was talking to our good friend today, Crowbar, Tony yep, Crow. Tony Crow. Yep. I was talking to Tony Crow, and I said, "Mate, we're we're doing a little interview today, and we've got Brad Loopy." Well, he burst out laughing. Yep. Jody, Jody, he, God bless him. His lovely wife could hear it in the background. <laughs> She's burst out laughing. So I'm thinking, oh. What do these two know about Brad Loopy? <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, Crowey was up up with me at the Cutters as our manager when uh, Loopy was with us there. So <laughs> I, I think without further ado, the, the interview tells the whole story. So um, people work him out pretty quickly. So he's, um, he's one of a kind, that's for sure. And uh, I, I hope everyone enjoys this interview. We'll, we'll cross over to it now. Okay, a second guest for the show this week, a very special guest, a um, bit of a character around the Queensland Intrust Super Cup, probably as well known for his exploits off the field as he is for his exploits <laughs> on the field. It's uh, Brad Loopy. Loop, how are you, mate? Hey, mate, how you going, mate? Good to, good to hear from you, mate. And uh, I hope Sully's there, mate. He is. Yeah, I'm here, Brad. Mate, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this because... As you say, you, you're a favourite fan of the show after two podcasts, of course. But um, And now we've got you involved. But the thing I'm going to enjoy is just it's all seriousness, but we've still got to have some fun, haven't we? Especially in these times, guys. Um, don't get your expectations up too high. As Kimmy's done before, he probably you know thinks I'm going to perform really well. And then, you know, the, the end product isn't uh, what you think you're going to get, mate. So... <laughs> Well, well, we might talk about that straight away, Luke, because uh, you have given yourself the title as the king of pre-season, and it's certainly a title that you, you've lived up to. You've, um, we'll go back in a minute to your pathway, but um, it's fair to say that you are one of the best trainers in pre-season when you're on train and trial, and uh, then, uh, <laughs> as you say, the end product. May at times not live up to expectations. Is that is that unfair or is that is that uh, fair enough? So I think it's fair, but also, you know, the old yeah, trades like Tarzan and plays like Jane is a bit <laughs> of a push. I still think, you know, um, you know, you look at me and you think you're gonna get like, well, this guy trains, he's like a Jason Tamalolo. <laughs> you, you get a decent, you know, from what I train to, to what I play, you get a decent prop. He sometimes has a good game and sometimes has a bad game, you know, but. <laughs> All right, we'll come back to that very soon. But uh, we, we like to talk about the pathway for players on this show. And uh, you you were born in Auckland, moved over to Australia to um, the, the Riff, the Penrith District um, for juniors. So roughly how old were you then? Yeah, that was 11. I think we moved over the whole family. Yep. 
Yeah, oh, nice. The, your first um, major sort of representative footy then was with North Sydney in the 18s, the SG ball, and then on to some 20s with the Rabbitohs. So how did you end up at North Sydney? So pretty much for anyone that sort of knows about like the SG ball system, North Sydney Bears is usually, they don't go that well. So yeah. usually a Penrith, you know, Penrith from Parramatta, big junior nurseries. If you don't make there, you sort of hop on the train and you head into North Sydney and you pretty much get in. Yeah. Um, but that year we did have a good crop of local North Sydney boys yeah. and a good crop of re, you know, rejects from Penrith Parramatta. But just, you know, as it is, you can't, you know, sort of win a comp with 11 players. But no, but yeah, that was that's pretty much how I got out there. You've been on and played a, um, some New South Wales Cup then with, with North Sydney. Um, how many years were you in that system, the New South Wales Cup system? So after 18s, I played a couple of years, 20s with Rabbits. Yep. And then went to went with Phil, was sort of up and down between that Ron Massey Cup and New South Wales Cup for three years. Yep. And then North Sydney had two years, I was pretty much playing every week, which is which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Who, who were your coaches through those junior rep ranks and, and New South Wales Cup? Um, Wayne Lampkin. He's still, he's still around. Yeah. I think he's doing something mm. with the Tigers. He was good at... Um, at North Sydney Bears, uh, who else? Daniel Irvine, he was a uh, hooker, yep. used to play Parramatta and that. He yep. was my second year, 20s. Um, and if he listens to this podcast, he's going to hate me, but I forgot his name. But <laughs> at Wenny, um, I can't remember his name, mate. But, uh, but it, it wasn't like a big, um, you know, up and coming. I had Alex Chan, he was he oh, played yeah. a bit of first grade, yes, he was yeah. there for a bit, yeah. Um, then, uh, but yeah, no, I'd probably say from looking back, Wayne Lampkin, oh, that Greg Folomo, Floromo, yeah, he, um, yeah. he coached us a bit at North, well, he, he was all right, but um, yeah, yeah, um, nice at the moment, yeah, yeah, after um, that, you made your way up to Mackay, and that's where I, I first met you. I remember talking to your agent, looking for a couple of players, we'd had a, a fairly big turnover of, of players, and you had already signed with Mackay North and were actually up there already. And uh, we got you on for a, a training trial. And uh, as I said, you, you impressed in pre-season, um, particularly in the gym. You, you do love the gym. There's no doubt about that. Um, but you do you, know, you do train hard. You, you make a good impression there. There's some stories that came out of that time, though, and I'd probably like to talk about that initially. But um, I remember... A um, part of your deal with Norse was that you were given a car, right? But um, what what happened in the first week of owning that car that Norse were kind enough to give you? Uh, well, this makes me sound like a bad guy as well, but <laughs> I done the right thing. So, first week they said, "Hey, could my car break down?" Because apparently you got to put water in your radiator. <laughs> and I drove up all the way from Sydney to Mackay. Didn't know that. Then um, <laughs> the car broke down. Um, but yeah, so they lent me a car and said, "You know, when you get a job, pay it off." Blah blah blah. Whatever. I said, "Oh, sweet." Um, and pretty much the first week, it was raining one day and there was like a bendy road and, you know, I lost control, ran into a pole and um, pretty much the whole passenger side door was caved in. Um, and then, you know, small town, they saw it within a week and they, they weren't happy. But I was, uh, I was with the council at the time and I said to them, like, I was making good coin as well. I said, like, oh, you know, I'll pay it off or, you know, want some money. They didn't want no money. And then when I ended up getting cut from a car the next year and lost my job in the council, I had no money. Then they was like, oh, you're going to, you know, pay for the car. I'm like, oh. So I'm, 
I'm going to Cairns. Uh, and when they picked up that car, they weren't they weren't uh, very happy at all. So. <laughs> right. So when you first crashed it, you didn't tell them you, you were trying to hide that mm. from them, were you? I tried to hide it, yeah, but within a couple of days, obviously, they saw it straight away. So, yeah. Yeah. It is a small town. <laughs> there was no way you were getting away with that. <laughs> uh, lesson learned. <laughs> anyway. So, um, my God. Your stats currently read 67 games in the in the Queensland Cup, and it's interesting to note that 52 of those were under me at yeah. two different clubs at Mackay and in the Capras. Is this a little bit like the, the North Sydney thing? You couldn't get a start anywhere else, so you'd hop on the train and come and find <laughs> where you might get a start? Well, mate, I don't know. I, I also, Obviously, I'm getting old. I'm on the downhill, and once your NRL dreams go, you're, you're over it. But, um, mate, it must just be a love-hate relationship with me and you. Like, Wayne Lampkin was sort of the same. Like, he would always abuse me. Yeah. But he would always sort of pick me, mate. Because, you, know, you know, I'm still <laughs> a big body and I get the job done most of the time. Um, and then whatever – oh, because what happened after you left? We had that – Um, I don't know if you want to throw his name out there or not. But, you know, he was an A-grade coach. Didn't know much. Um, and my <laughs> was a bad injury, mate, as well. <laughs> And then, you know, you're not training good in that. And I just went on a downhill of uh, of not good, mate. But, uh, but yeah, I looked at my stats the other day as well and saw, uh, you know, the two years I was with you, played every game. And then since then, it's been, uh, you know, I must be in a quiet taste, mate. Yeah, well, when you say love-hate relationship, I, I think you mean you love me and I hate you. I think that's, oh, 100%. How, it, yeah. <laughs> that's how it works. So two tries, two fantastic tries in those 67 Games, right? Do do you remember those two? I'm pretty sure you would. I remember one of them because you know, as you leave clubs, you got to make up like a little shit highlight reel, and it's a yeah. little highlight reel. Yeah. Uh, the other so one I can't. But there was pretty a, short highlight reel that one, mate, was it? <laughs> oh yeah, it was. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, so um, sorry. Um, how did you score that drive? You fall over the line from a couple of meters out. Mate, was that you know you always practice those scrum moves, but you never use them. Yeah. It was one of, we were playing East Tigers and it was shit because we were down by, I don't know, like it was eight points. So when I scored, um, I couldn't carry on and celebrate because we had to go back and hope <laughs> yeah. we win. We didn't win. We didn't win. But um, I can't even describe It's one of those ones I think where, you, you know, the hooker jumps out, he yeah. dummies it to someone and he hits you back on the inside yeah. or whatever I say. Yeah. Nice work. So you... You're listed in your stats as 190 centimetres tall and 116 kilo. Um, during this isolation, mate, are you maintaining those standards? Well, as you know, so when I came to Mackay, I was I was pretty juicy, 114 and still thin. Yeah. And then I think when I came to your Capras three years later, I was probably what blowing out at 124 and yeah, you no know, good. But with this uh, COVID, I'm still working. Um, and one of the local oh. gyms that sort of sponsor us up here, like I'm at with Northern Pride at the moment. Yeah, they're called yep. uh, Yours Fitness. They've given us um, like 200 kilos worth of uh, weight plates. Yeah, got a squat rack and everything. So pretty much it's just work, gym, you know, yeah. sleep, repeat sort of thing. So yeah. 200 kilos, mate. That's about your bench press. That right? Pretty much, mate. So yeah. I have to go, you know, buy some more weights, mate. They're expensive, mate. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. Uh, you're on five one-legged squats mate, with 200. Yeah, be about your mark. Uh, uh, beautiful in the gym, but yeah, you know, out on the field. I don't know. Hey, uh, still good sometimes, mate. You know, yeah, mate. average yeah. and good, yeah. mate. You know? so 
Yeah. Well, Kimbo, I think you've been a bit hard on Braddy. Mate, at the end of the day, he's still picking up a contract and still doing what he's doing. So, yeah. geez whiz, we get, let's turn on him here, Bradley. Let's turn on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mike, sorry, you go. I was going to say, Mike, like, I still think I'm all right, you know, but I'm still the more realistic, you know, like, you know, if I probably thought about the actually, like, as much as sort of like, you know, semi-professional and being in around, around NRL clubs, I didn't actually sort of understand game plans until like last year. So, um, you know, maybe like, yeah, with my missus, so I'm married now. She yeah. says one of my things is like I don't concentrate on little things. <laughs> and looking back, I probably thought, oh, okay, if I actually sort of listened a bit more and understood things, yeah, um, who knows? But yeah, so yeah. I'm 32 and finally know what a game plan is. Well, that's a credit Mate, to you that it's <laughs> taken um, – 23 years of playing the game to, to work that out. Fantastic. You're a change, man. Yeah. I was actually going to go the other way, Kimbo. It took him that long to realise when to get married. And, yeah, um, yeah no, you, you're talking to a bloke like myself who got married at 35. So, yeah. um, <laughs> mate, uh, Brad, obviously, mate, we all talk about a bit of fun and Kimbo knows a bit of fun. And you mentioned the, the Tinder whoa, stuff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, 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 wait. Kimbo, Kimbo well, we knows can... fun. I don't know. Has he changed, mate? I don't know about that, mate. Uh, come but, on. Mate. mate, what happened when you – I just want to know what happened when you peed on a trainer. All right, so there's two there's two incidents, and I don't know what it is. Again, with Kimmy. They always happen with Kimmy. So we had a trainer. But because my reputation, pretty much if anything bad happens, they think it's me. If I deny it, they think it's me. So it's always just people think it's me. So what happened was um, one of the trainers was having a bad day. And I sprayed water, like I sprayed water at his feet. And we came out, I was calling him piss foot, push throw, piss foot, piss foot. And we were all laughing and got on it. And then um, saw the boys and it was just, you know, his boiling point. And Kimmy's having one of his sprays to the boys and like, yeah, this week, this blah, blah, blah. And um, actually Liam Taylor, he, he played like a thousand games with my Kai Cutters. He called, he called him piss foot or something. All Kimmy spraying us. And then during the spray, Booster loses it, pours water all over him. And it's just weird because Kimmy doesn't address it. So it just sort of happened in there and it was, uh, it was that was a good one. Um, and that sort of blew up. And the other one was at Capra's. So I got a bad bladder. And, um, you know, some days Kimmy will leave me on the bench for like, you know, 55, you know, it could be 70 minutes. So I just sort of, you know, sort of pissing on the ground. It created a little, a little puddle. And, then, you know, probably like the last time I peed on it, the peed sprayed up from the puddle and obviously hit the trainer. Um, and yeah, and then Kimmy wasn't too happy, mate. Yeah, <laughs> because that trainer was a, a, a female as well. You forgot to mention that. Oh. <laughs> 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 you, um, you do have a reputation as a bit, bit of a prankster around the place, whichever club you're at. And I, I'd like to recall a particular memory from the Capras when uh, we, we used to train every Monday with with the whole club, with the under-18s and the under twenty, So uh, all the players got to know each other uh, pretty well, which is a great thing brought the club together. But you, you were a bit of a, a Tinder man. And uh, there was a story about uh, one of the players who, um, uh, I'll, I'll let you tell the story, but it started with you pretending that you were a, a lady on Tinder and you, you hooked up with a young fellow, can you? Fill in the blanks for us, eh? <laughs> well, as you can, it's one of the best. I love doing it as well. And when I was single, you always risk it, you know. Even if you think it's fake and you could die when you're horny, you risk it, you know. <laughs> so, um, 
towards the end there, I got a lot more sophisticated. Like I would steal, like, you know, I'd probably go to jail, who knows, but I stole like an identity, you know, from Facebook. So you have all the photos, you link it to the Instagram. So like, you know, when they check up on it, it looks pretty legit. And yeah, pretty much. But this bloke, he was a young bloke and just too horny. And um, within 10 minutes of me saying hello to him, he was pretty much rocking up at my house. And obviously, like, I sit there with the camera phone and uh, recording coming up. And, yeah, he, w- he went through the five stages of, you know, he couldn't believe it. First, he was like, is, it, is she in there? Is he level with her? And then he got angry. But then, obviously, because, you know, he's 18 and I'm, you know, a big man. Uh, but, yeah, he's, but yeah, there's been numerous, numerous times I got the boys. Some of the boys send, you know, send photos of themselves, yeah. Yeah, they're old fellas and that, and then, you know, they get ripped on there. Um, we can go down that other dating app, the, the guy and guy one, if you want. <laughs> nah, but, uh, we, we might not talk about that. I reckon we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you're only teaching people life lessons, aren't you, Luke, these young fellas? Actually, it's funny you mention about young blokes, and, and you look at young blokes today. Mate, what's your opinion on it? Because I've got an opinion. I'm pretty sure it's similar to yours. So that. I went through, like, you know, a stage, like, I think it's fair, like, it, it wasn't nothing too bad, but, you know, a bit of teasing, you know, a bit of whatever, I, I think it's good, so, especially the young blokes, when I went up to Mackay, about, I was, what, 25, 26, I, I wasn't even doing anything too bad, but you have a little go at them, where you tease them a little bit, and they, they just break down, and they, they have a cry, and then, so, I, I don't go too bad, but I've I got a fake profile on Facebook, we'll talk about that later, too, hopefully, but, um, yep. you know, like, Pretty much everyone that makes the 18s and 20s, they would have been at school. They would have been picking on other people as well or walk around like a mad dog. Mm. But then when they mm. come in and they get a bit of it themselves, or like they can't handle it. And I always say, if you can't handle it off some dirty-year-old bloke who never made dinner out, how are you supposed to go to the next level? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I got pulled in a couple of times by um, some people saying they had to knock it off. And I was just like, wow. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a line in the sand sometimes, mate. You, you have crossed that one or twice. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get on to your, your alter ego now. So one of your claim, claims to fame is uh, you've had an alter ego, ego called Deffy Saunders and he, he's been yeah. with you for quite a while now. And uh, well, Again, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Let, let's talk a little bit about Deffy and how he started and and um, what purpose he serves for you in life? Um, what's he all about? Well, he serves many purposes, but he's been with me, I think, now 15 years. Yes. He originally was, yeah, 15. He's been blocked. He's been banned, but he's he's always came back. Um, <laughs> so he's first started off because I'd hop on the fan forums of um, the under-20s and, yeah, and just talk myself up. And that was a way of obviously, uh, yeah, talking myself up, pretending yeah. to be someone else. Yep. And then, um, but he's got a whole backstory and a story. Um, so Jeffy Saunders, he started off as a massage, no, as a sporting goods store salesman. Yep. Then he um, <laughs> w- went into restaurants. Yeah. And then now he's a massage shop owner. He's yep. um, South Korean descent. Yep. Um, he had a wife, but she has sadly passed away. <laughs> um, he's got a son. <laughs> um, and you know, obviously, using the Facebook troll, and pretty much now everyone in like the sort of footy community. No, Jeffy's me, but also at the same time, if I cross that line, I can yeah. always just say, "Oh, you know, I got hacked, or it's not me." So, sorry, you've got yeah. a few NRL players who follow him. Is that right? Yeah, so that's the thing as well. So, like, I have a lot of like a few NRL players, a lot of cup boys that I haven't met in real life. I mean, yeah. 
you know, when you see them after the game, I'll go, before they knew I was Jeffy, I'd go to talk to them like they're my mate. And then I'd have to remember, oh, hang on. They don't know me, you know. <laughs> but um, Jeffy's made actually a few friends um, and we became friends like that. Uh, Peter Gubb, he's uh, down at Wynnum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me and Jeffy became, or Jeffy sort of introduced us all sort of thing. Yeah. But um, I just love it as well. Like I don't, go, I know the social media bullying and it can go bad. Yeah. But Jeffy's always on the good side. He yeah. doesn't, you know, he doesn't push it. You know, well, I don't. He's just more laugh for the boys. You know. Yeah. Well, here's a couple of examples of, of Jeffy. So I, I assume he's uh, one of your good mates, Darren um, Schonig. Schonig, how do you, yeah. sure how you pronounce? Um, and who yeah. had a trial down with Melbourne Storm, and Jeffy was into him. Congratulations. Darren, okay, he now with Melbourne Storm, but he is now an arrogant man and has not said hello to me now since he walked out and all his friends at Northern Pride. I hope you get back <laughs> hard by Samoa and Tonga bands. It's one of one of Jeffrey's <laughs> and then to uh this one was to Brendan Treston who uh captain oh, yeah. captain um <laughs> Mackay Cutters, one of the one of the best folks you left with me. And he played 20s down at the Storm. You've got a photo of the young Brendan in his Storm jersey. And Jeffy, this is on Jeffy's site. I am big fan of Storm and like Cameron Smith because he has no muscles and is very good player. So this junior Storm has even less muscle than him and a very ugly face. Will that mean he will be even better than Smith? <laughs> I think Brendan Dresden would have taken that the right way, mate. Yeah. So, um, like now, thirty-one, and in the yeah. twilight of your career, I guess it's fair to say. If um, uh, what what are the plans, both for yourself and for Jeffy? But what does the future hold? You got a few more years in you left. Well, I think one of the good things, obviously, like I said before, like you know, only sort of learning game plans a couple of years ago. I must have like a young, dumb mind. So I feel twenty-five. So, uh, yeah, I know the end is coming soon, but I still think, you know, especially in kick-up, I think as long as I'm – you're still big, you're still strong, I can still, you know, pull off 15 minutes on the bench, you know, each side of half-time, you know. So um, I'm hoping to get another five years out of me, but we'll see what happens. Um, uh, and Jeffy, obviously, he'll just, he'll just keep going and just keep talking shit. But yeah. uh, that's me playing anyway. But, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. just play until I die. <laughs> Excellent. Well – but to, to finish the interview, we're going to I'll, um, hand you over to Sully. He, he introduced a new segment last week that was highly successful. It brought in at least five new listeners <laughs> for us. Uh, uh, <laughs> 60 seconds with Sully, high-pressure stuff. I, I guess you could answer these questions either as Brad Luby or as Jeffy Saunders. So we'll leave that up to you. Or you could even swap in. No, I want tweet. Brad Luby. I want, want Brad Luby, right? Okay. I want and, Brad uh, Luby. Yeah, we'll go to that, and then then we'll just wrap it up. So over to you, Sally. Sixty seconds with Sally starts now with the great man Brad Loopy. One, what's your favourite holiday spot? Oh, favourite holiday spot. So I'm not good at this. I always say Philippines, mate. I don't know. Mrs. of Philippines. I'm gonna say Philippines. I don't know. Oh, have I been? Have no. I been there? No. Ah, well, you better get there. <laughs> Number two, favourite other sport. Oh, favorite other sport. I'm just gonna go basketball. I think I watch a bit and gambled a bit as well on that. But um, but yeah, basketball probably. What can't you live without? 
Oh, well, the top three would be obviously Jim, Footy, and the Misses. I would have to probably go in top three order Jim, Footy, and the Misses. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite food? Favorite food? um... I don't know. Pizza? Pizza? Salmon? Salmon and eggs or pizza, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> they reckon you do love salmon. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, your favourite non-NRL competition and a team from that comp. So, obviously, it could be anywhere in Australia. Oh, um, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go Cairns local A-grade and yep. Southern Suburbs. Oh, superb. Superb. Right, last one. We're down to 55 seconds. If you were down to your last $50, how would you spend it? I'd go see Jeffy Saunders' massage shop, ask for his sister, put a $50 special. <laughs> Sensational. Thanks for spending 60 seconds with Sully. I, and my, actually, Sully, mate, before I go and before I get cut off, I do want to say you, you're talking about Jordan Pereira last week about how he's one of the best WA boys. I really think Josh Boyden. Were you with Josh Boyden? He oh, came over to the yeah. Yes, of course. Like, his body is terrible. Old man, every guy is young when he was young, had ice on his knees. Just, just every time he ran, he would get flogged. But he would still make like 10 meters a run. He'd still whack blokes, yeah. but he had a terrible body, no strength. But Josh Boyden. I Josh yeah, Boyden, mate, Joshy's, it's, uh, Brad, I'm pleased you brought up Joshy because, um, yeah, mate, he, he had a couple of years at South Perth and he was a kid, as you say. Mm. And he's got that sort of body, hadn't he? But he was a. He's a ripper, mate. He's still a ripper. He keeps in touch with everybody over here in WA. Mm. So, yeah. He's yeah, a listener on kid. this show. He's a listener. He, he's on our Facebook side of, uh, um, yeah, kept in touch with, with Joss or, or they very regularly. But, um, yeah, I noticed just the other day he, he liked us on, on the podcast. So, uh, mate, he was great for us. I wish he had it stayed playing at that level. You know, he found other priorities. He fell in love, I think, was what happened. Yeah, and, uh, turtle dove got him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah mate, I, I agree. Yeah, uh, uh, quality front row. He probably kept you on the bench, actually. Maybe from memory. Is that right? Nah, mate. Nah, mate. <laughs> well, <laughs> not how I remember it. Just <laughs> mate. So, uh, mate, we'll wrap up by saying, you know, if there ever has been a man with a more appropriate surname, Loopy, I, I don't know of anyone. Um, certainly suits your character. You uh, you do bring a smile to people's faces and you made my coaching career, although challenging at times, a bit more fun. So, uh, uh, <laughs> Timbo, like you back a bit too. Excuse, uh, excuse me, before we go, yeah. I'm not letting you get away, Kim. I'm not letting you get away with nothing. Brad, Brad, come on, come on. Let's tell us some famous Kim stories. Oh, actually, I would love to get through this. So there's a lot of times, mate, where he rips me for no reason. So one of them, from memory, I still get haunted by this. And I'm a man. Like, why should I care? But I get haunted. Tweed heads, there's no crowd. He's sitting with other families and that, and he's always abusing people on the microphone. I take a head off, mate. I make off a tap, 12 metres, you know, I chuck a good offload. A licky, let's have him remember who drops it, mate. A licky drops it. And Kimmy's just brain me. I can hear it. So we're packing the scrum. And the other team, you know, they hate you, but they even felt sorry for me because he's just laying into me. And it was, you know, as in numerous times, just on the microphone, some like when I went to a different club, they go, Loopy, I've heard that name before. 
I know you. You're the bloke that gets to get ripped on by Kimmy on the microphone. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. is that the only one? Come on, mate. More, more. Um, Come on. Oh, off the top of my head, I sort of thought, sort of thought better, but pretty much. Oh, there was one time as well. So, this is at Capra's. We were losing 32 nil against Sunny Coast. I hadn't even been on the field yet, and he's spraying our forwards. And when he's looking at, this is a true story. He's looking at me like you're lazy. You haven't done anything. I'm sitting there like. My, I haven't even been on, I didn't say it, but in my mind, my, my, I haven't been on yet. And then we ended up losing 32 to 6, but when I was on, we scored the 6 points, mate, and I mean, but, um, but yeah, I can't really think of anything other than the massive sprays. Again, there was another one at Sunny Coast, we were, we were beating him, this was with Mackay, and um, he, he gave us a spray, and he threw a piece of paper, and that piece of paper obviously just sort of, you know, in the air, just sort of slowly went down, and those are the sort of things I remember, mate, just him spraying me. <laughs> but um, but yeah, oh, it was always good. You know, he's, he always gave me a game. So it's one of those times when you're being coached by him, you you hate him. But when you look back, you go, ah, he's not too bad. <laughs> Thanks, Luby. Always good talking no, to mate. you. So um, I hope you can add to that 67 game and two try tally. I hope you get back on the field this year with this uh, virus. Oh no, well, Queensland Cup's gone, isn't it, for the year? So yeah, for sure, yeah, Cup. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Well, mate, you, you'll be loving this. It's the longest pre-season you've ever had. You are the king of the pre-season. So uh, you'll come back bigger and better next year in pre-season and then uh, it'll probably be all downhill from there again, mate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we wish you the best, mate. Thanks for thanks for your time. And no doubt I'll talk to you and Jeffy again soon. All right, no worries. Thanks, boys. Love you, Sally. Mate. Okay, Sully, that was Brad Loopy, um, one of the game's big characters in that uh, Queensland Newcastle Super Cup. What do you make of that? He was outstanding, mate. Bit of fun. Now, now what's that Facebook name, just quickly? Yeah, Jeffy Saunders. He's uh, J-E-F-F-Y. That's his alter ego. As he said, he's had him for 15 years. And, uh, yeah, mate, but, you know, people want to try and look him up. It's up to Jeffy, whether he friend. Accepts those um, friend requests or not, but um, yeah, it's definitely worth a look. And, and there was one bit I we, we didn't really speak to him about, but he said himself he's really busy with work, and it it sounded like a job that he's right into. And obviously, um, something you started at the Capras, and yeah. mate, he'd be perfect for it. Yeah, it was a great thing there, and I probably think it's maybe the best legacy I left at that club because uh, they now mm. have a minimum of 20 players who are employed uh, in that um, in that line of work and most of them with the Endeavour Foundation. So it came about, we had one player who had a job um, with the Endeavour Foundation. So I went and met with them and uh, I saw there's a real opportunity for our guys to get on board and you know, somewhere like Rockhampton, you don't necessarily want guys who are playing rugby league at that level to be working out in the sun all day as a labourer mm. or, um, you know, so hot and so humid. So uh, this line of work just seemed ideal. So the Endeavour Foundation uh, were very keen to get us on board. They put on four or five of our guys to start with and it worked really well. You know, there's a lot of uh, – so the Endeavour Foundation, basically what it was, is looking after, being carers for – um, people with disabilities or challenging behaviours. And a few of those clients are, you know, big male teenagers who sometimes, you know, can become a little bit aggressive with their behaviours and they're quite intimidating to female carers. So they yeah. really needed 
some big strong male carers to to um, be in the industry so it fitted our guys perfectly and it I couldn't imagine that how well that worked out so yeah guys like Brad have the right personality for it you know under the big the the big muscles and uh, everything else is there's, there's a very kind heart and uh, that, I think it makes our, our guys our players better people it gives them some leadership skills it makes them appreciate you know the privileges and the, the things they have in life that they have them up otherwise might take for granted. So uh, it's been a win-win there, mate, and the, I, I know that association's stronger than ever well after I've left the club and I, I hope it goes on for a long time. So, yeah, you can tell Brad loved it. He, he seems yeah. very committed that and it's an occupation he can keep with him for life and be very good at it as well. Well, that's what you're just saying and that's probably, mate, he's moved from obviously um, Rockhampton down now to Brisbane Yep. And he's still working in the same game. So that's yeah. uh, obviously probably with the same people. So yeah, yeah. Brilliant. he's up in, up in Cairns. Up in Cairns he is, so not, not in Britain, but um and never a nationwide. So um, yeah. yeah, mate, he's set for life if he if he wants to continue down that path. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, mate, it's been a cracking show. Two great interviews and yep. hope everybody enjoys them. And it's just uh yeah, week three and we we're going along okay with them, but Mate, I'm, I'm about to go to bed over here in WA, but I, I can't go to bed without me Kimbo bedtimes. Yep, I, I will. I'll give you the bedtime story, mate. Brought, brought to you by our great sponsor, Sully's Painting, yep. of course, over there, and has brush for travel. Don't be silly, call Sully. Um, set play performance sportswear, Paul Boyce. Uh, that he'll help you out for any of your sporting needs for teams, you know, looking to get back on the paddock as soon as possible. He'll help you out. And Trauma Rugby League Recruitment, Luke Trauma, he can help you with anything rugby league related. So please support them. They're, they're great supporters for us. So, mate, yeah, give a story to, to finish us off. It's about my brother and I. Now, I'm pretty <laughs> vertically challenged myself, but my brother's even a bit shorter than me. And uh, I remember walking into a pub with him years ago after a game of footy and we walked up to the bar and, um, you know, publican came over to, to serve us and, and we looked up and there were a couple of big T-bones hanging down from the ceiling on on a bit of rope. <laughs> and I looked at me, brother, I said, what's going on here? And the publican came over and said, mate, what, what's the go of these two big chunks of meat hanging from the ceiling, these T-bones? He goes, oh, well, well, we have a challenge. He said, uh, if you can jump up, and grab one of those, then you win 50, 50 schooners on the house. I went, oh. awesome. And he goes, yeah, but if you try it and you don't make it, you've got to give us $50. And I looked at me, brother, I thought, gee, that's, that's a bit much, $50. And I said to me, brother, what do you reckon we're going to do it? And he looked back at me and he goes, no, wait, Kimbo, the stakes are too high. <laughs> That was it, Sally. I don't make any promises that these jokes are getting any better from week to week. I actually like that one. I like that one. (laughs) Well, we might leave it on that very high note, mate, and uh, we'll be back in a week's time. We encourage people to to have a look at the the Facebook side. All of our uh, previous podcasts are there, and uh, obviously the link to this one is with all your your major podcasting hosts as well. So, uh, Great to have you on board again, Sally. We'll look forward to next week. Absolutely, mate. And as you say, if anyone's got any ideas, any stories, any names, just give them to us. We'll chase them. Yeah, definitely. The Captain's Challenge podcast Facebook site, pop on there. That's the best 
place to put any suggestions or any comments. Everything's welcome. All right, we'll see you all next week. Thanks, Alex. Bye now.